0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com upgrade for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns on your next order. That's quince.com upgrade. Oh, and I need a laugh as a helping people. But don't buy talking to the funny people. He's asking what they find in the town stories.
1: Can somebody yell yeah, another? to episode, I think this is nine now, wow, of series five of My Mate Bought a Toaster. Um, Hello, my name is uh, Tom Price, and uh, I don't know why I'm telling you my name. Um, So, please welcome my first guest, my cold. There it is. Uh, Luckily, at the time of recording uh, this following episode, I didn't have the cold, so don't worry, you're not going to listen to me honking away. It's a very difficult time to have a cold right now. Nobody cares. Um, So, in fact, they're actively repulsed by you. If you go anywhere near them with a cold. Um, So, yeah, enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, George Egg, fabulous, fabulous stand-up comedian. And now, well, we'll talk about it loads. He now does these fantastic snack hacker videos, and he's a crazy performance chef, I guess you'd call him. Um, He's a really interesting guy and a lovely, funny man to boot. So, uh, George Egg to come. As usual, if you get a second or a chance afterwards, please uh, go and give us a rate and review and all that business because it does always, always help uh, attract new people to the podcast. We have got two more episodes still to come this series. We've got Danny Robbins off of Uncanny. Fantastic podcast. He's coming up next week. Uh, And then we're going to finish this series with Angela Barnes. Um, And that's the plan for My Mate Bought a Toaster Series 5. Thanks for listening. Here's George Egg. Hello, welcome. This is my Maple Toaster, but you already knew that. My name's Tom Price. Hopefully you already knew that. Fingers crossed. Uh, what you probably don't know, actually you probably do because you've looked at the artwork, my guest today is the very brilliant uh, comedian, um, foods, sort of food comedian, Instagram hybrid broadcasts
0: thing. George Egg, have I summed up your career beautifully there or what? You have. Uh, my career is impossible to sum up because I can't... Mm. I've always managed to sort of fall between categories I think which is advantageous mm. and disadvantageous but um yes but yeah so so that that kind of jumbled uh summary is apt
1: do you get that thing where the professionals in your lives your the agents and so on say to you but but what are you i mean maybe less now because you do have a real laser like focus on this food thing but in the past because you were a fantastic stand up comic and you still are i'm sure but you were like a prop comic did yeah. you ever get this kind of uh, agents saying, "What
0: are you? Who are you?" Um, not really agents. I mean, I've I've, I've had very few agents because I'm a bit of a control freak, I think, and I've I've always been uh, happy doing my own thing, and and also felt like as soon as someone else is involved, it starts being steered in a in a different direction towards a category, mm. you know. So sort of oh, mm. so well, for example, the the content I'm making at the moment, the the little cooking videos online whenever I've talked yeah. to anyone in the sort of TV world it's been that they've, they've sort of got oh right okay they're, they're all going to be uh you you know doing stuff with Greggs and McDonald's and what I like about the self-created stuff is some of them are like that some of them are just a nostalgic recipe some of them are just a sort of comical thing and it can be whatever I want it to be um yes. So, yeah, so yes so I, I seem to have avoided uh that situation as much as possible by either yes not being successful enough to, to get on T V or, or 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 sacking agents. <laughs> I think I've been around for long enough that I've kind of yeah, realised that actually what makes me happy is is having creative control and and mm-hmm. going off in different directions and just being able to do what I do rather than yeah, answering to someone.
1: I'm glad that I've got a control freak on the show because you're going to hate this. You've got to sit back and let me take the reins now. I know. I um I'm in there. I'm I'm in your Amazon account as we speak. And uh in fact the first two things you bought were in uh 2002.
0: Okay. That's a long time ago. It's a long time ago now.
1: And actually one of them's really um poignant because she's just passed away, a life drawing by Shirley Hughes who died very recently. Fantastic kids oh, author. Oh wow. And, and I artist. didn't know- Yeah. Yes. Yes, there you go. There you I go. love
0: Shirley um, Hughes stuff, and that would be well. If it's two thousand and two, that would be when my my kids were all young. Oh, and now they're all adults. How old are your children yeah. now? Uh, my youngest is twenty one, and my oldest is twenty five, and oh. I have a middle one who's twenty four. Yeah, yeah, so now, I know.
1: Do do they like do they go to the toilets by themselves now and things like that? And they could do they feed themselves? It's incredible.
0: They feed themselves. They live. They live elsewhere. My youngest oh. is going to come and come back soon, actually. But she's been she's been living in Wales for the last uh, uh, sort of three quarters of a year, working at um, Hard. Do you know Harden Estate, the Gladstone Estate up in Flintshire? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's yes. been working there.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, lovely. Yeah, as a baker and a grower. But she's coming home. Wow. But um, okay. but yeah, no, they're all very independent and doing their own things, things that I'm involved in. So. My eldest, my son is the the camera guy on uh my Snack Hacker films. And um right. yeah, and he does all the he does the animation at the start and he does all the all the artwork for my shows cuz he's a illustrator. So,
1: I mean, there I was about to go off on a thing about um you know, do you miss your babies and and actually all you were doing was breeding stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, breeding co-creatives. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's perfect. That's fantastic.
1: And your son is an artist, and here you are with Shirley Hughes. For I know, is twenty years ago?
0: Oh, do you know what's no. funny, Tom? When because when, cause I listened to you know some of the episodes and thought this is a great idea, and then I looked, I obviously I looked through my Amazon yeah. history and thought, it's so boring like that. But immediately you got some of the yeah, it's good, it's good, it's a good. I know other people have said it's a good idea, it's a really good idea. <laughs> but yes, so so there you go, Shirley Hughes illustrator and. Uh, Sun illustrator.
1: Yeah. Do you um, when you watch your kids become an illustrator, or, or um, with your in the case of your daughter going off to Flincher and do these things, is there a sense that you have done anything anything to do with that, or are you just like I don't know? Because like for example, my little boy he's nine. My eldest is nine, and he's amazing at football. I've done nothing to facilitate that, and it's the strangest feeling. It's it's paranormal to watch them be sentient, basically.
0: Yeah, uh, I I agree. I mean, um, I I kind of thought one of them might go into. Performing in some way, and none of them mm-hmm. have. They've all gone into creative pursuits, sort of artistic kind of uh, directions. My middle one yeah. is a, a fashion designer, and uh, yeah, does wow. teaches at a fashion school, and she's really yeah, she's really flying. But um, yeah, but they're all apart from uh, I suppose the the youngest too, because she's doing something to do with food. That's kind mm. of in a similar direction. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's lovely just watching them. Go off in their own directions, and I mean, there's yeah. got to be influence, I suppose. You know, buying Shirley Hughes books. For, you know, they didn't. It was. It's. It's. It, they didn't buy it. I bought it. So yeah, take the credit. So take there's the there's credit. definitely influence there, isn't there? But <laughs> I mean, technically, your son should pay you back for that now because this influences. Yeah, career, which so. I suppose he is by doing the filming for a very uh, very low fee.
1: <laughs>
0: so, and so and, low and low early early George Egg posters done for nothing. So there you go. So I've definitely got ah, my got my money's worth. Well.
1: I was probably gigging with you at this point. It's funny to think of you. You know, you've got this Shirley Hughes book at home, and you're setting off to go and do your stand up because your your routine for years was was. Gosh, I can remember the bowling ball. That's the thing I remember most of all. But it was all, you know, you get your suitcase out. And, and how long were you doing that kind of physical comedy thing before the cooking
0: explosion happened in your life? Uh, for over 20 years. Wow. So here's the interesting thing, going back to kids. I, um, I was really uncreative when the kids were growing up. So I did, I mean, I had, I, I kind of created the, the prop show in yeah. the late 90s really and it barely changed I mean you know it it, it evolved really gradually and you know a, a joke that became totally out of date just sort of you know drifted off and other new bits popped in but I never consciously went right I'm gonna I'm gonna rewrite this I'm gonna write new material it just because, because it was it was working and I was getting enough work and I think I was focusing my sort of creative uh uh energy on being a parent and doing building in the house and just kind of you know family mm. stuff mm. um and if I look at uh when I, I started actually becoming creative on stage again and doing the cooking stuff that yeah. coincides exactly well kind of six years ago six seven years yeah. ago when uh yeah my youngest was sort of 15 16 and you know, and just reaching that point where it's suddenly going. Well, actually, they they don't need me in the same way. So yeah. I can I can start doing. You know.
1: I suspect lots of writers and artists listening to the show will be currently throwing their children out of the house.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Speaking, Get why, out! why did I start so late? Why didn't I What was I doing? Why didn't I have kids when I was barely in my 20s? <laughs> but it gives it, it gives truth to that that saying, doesn't it? That
1: nothing stifles uh, creativity more than the pram in the hall. It's that I took Evelyn Wall, right, someone I heard that, that, that.
0: that Yeah, that yeah. makes makes total sense. Or or not I, in fact I, I wouldn't agree. I wouldn't say it stifles creativity. It just redirects it. So I think yes. Because I think yes. I was, you know, I was really, cra- I I I think I was a good parent and I'm a good parent, but I think, and, you know, and did a lot of, like I said about building, you know, did, we got a house and literally remodeled it from the top floor mm-hmm. down. You know, every room has been changed. Walls have been moved and, 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 you know, most I mean, this, the room I'm in now, this is my, my, one of my daughter's bedrooms and, and like that wall there, that was all that was all knocked down it was a, it's a loft room and i you know yeah. anyway but yes yeah, oh, so I so i wasn't not being creative i
1: love the pod, the podcast veering into grand designs territory now. I'm suddenly feeling okay well, maybe that would be my next uh, yeah that's the next thing to do find us on twitter
0: and instagram <laughs>
1: 10th of November 2003, uh, you bought the Nightclub Years 1964, a live audio CD of Woody Allen.
0: Oh, his stand ups just just... Oh. I mean, I know he's sort of, you know, controversial now and everything, but... um, mm. But regardless of that you know if you can separate the artist from the uh or the art from the the person or whatever um yeah I mean his stand-up's just phenomenal and so influential and I don't I haven't listened to a lot of stand-up um when I when I started out I was uh, before I started out really I was, I was really into Eddie Izzard and had all his early uh audio cassettes <laughs> that yes. I listened to endlessly and knew yes. backwards did you let Eddie Izzard's voice
1: sort of come into your stand-up because I think there were a lot of yeah, comments really when I was starting did. in about- yeah exactly. it was like yes yeah, like okay me. it was all this kind of yeah. Izzard-esque <laughs> well I think whiffle.
0: I think every I think that's you know people sort of um obviously there's the huge taboo in stand-up about copying but I think mm. everyone is is definitely influenced at the start and and you do end up although you know taking a joke is obviously you know a big no-no but certainly adopting other people's styles is a way of I think finding your own voice and yeah, and, um, yeah. yeah. there's an interview with him on CD uh, that I uh, that I bought that's I can't remember who the interviewer is it's a series of interviews and I bought three um, of them I think George Carlin was one and Jerry Seinfeld is the other and I mean, they're almost like early podcasts because they were recorded yeah. in, the, in the, I don't know, 80s or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, and they 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 just make for fascinating listening just about how he structures his jokes and how he, you know, jots down all these, just whenever he has an idea, he says that he he just jots it down on a receipt or a bit of paper or whatever, puts it in a drawer. And then when he goes, right, I'm going to start writing, pulls the drawer out, just gets them out one at a time and goes, okay, what can I do with this? And
1: Really? Yeah. And wow. then- And at the same time, presumably he's doing his tax return. I mean, that's a genius. Exactly. Know, cause, 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 yes, The receipt well. over, put that <laughs> on the spike.
0: <laughs> yes. I
1: really long for one of those spikes, one of those receipt spikes. You still see them in restaurants. They look like the deadly, I mean, I'm a, there must be a certain number of people who are killed by those receipt spikes every year. Yes, they feel like,
0: a, like, like from a, some sort of farcical murder thing, with, using it like a, a rapier. You know, yes, yes. Lunging.
1: And, <laughs> that's right. It's, but someone, you can imagine the accident happening. Someone would sort of start a slight trip by the door of a of an all-bar one or something. That's where you often see them, some sort of chain pub. And the trip would just go, uh, uh, and go through all the tables, and eventually they'd end up with their heads slamming <laughs> <down> <laughs> to the bar. I've,
0: I've really thought this through. I don't quite know. I, I had one of those, I had, did have one of those spikes for a while, and uh, and I, I, I don't know. I lost it or something or other, and I bought another one. And it was one that was... Shaped like, I suppose, for safety reasons, instead of just being a, a vertical spike, it was a, 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 it went up and then it went like the top of a coat hanger, like a shepherd's crook. So to put oh. a receipt on, you had to kind of bend it round and down. And yeah. it was um, just really frustrating. The, the, the ease <laughs> of the, the, the boff spike is much better.
1: <laughs> well, also, there's a certain anger in just going, oh, just slamming it down. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, between the fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, don't start with that. Imagine. If it's like a magic trick. Uh, talking of which, that leads us nicely to the 2nd of December 2004, George Egg, how to ride your unicycle. This is a paperback by Charlie Dancy or Dancy. Uh, right. Tell us a bit about this. Is this you? Uh,
0: well, it's me purchasing it for my daughter. So, look, hey, this is, this is really interesting because it's, like I was saying, about trying to push your children in a direction that you think... They ought to be going in because it's what you do. So when I started wow. out, I did—I I was a street entertainer, and I did like a show with juggling and fire eating and all that kind of malarkey. Mm-hmm. And um, and I bought my my uh, middle child Zoe. Uh, she learned to ride a bike when she was three, which is pretty good right. to ride you know to ride a two wheel bike yes. and and so then we we bought her a unicycle and she she learned how to ride <laughs> how to ride that and she was 7 and it was a tiny little unicycle and she'd ride it up and down the road so that's not bad <laughs> is it but that is- uh, that is the, the the sort of
1: natural progression of your sentence there. That everyone listening will go will have gone. What? Yes, yeah, so she learned how to ride a bike, and then obviously we bought her a unicycle. That's
0: what you do next. <laughs> well, I learned to ride a unicycle when I was a teenager. So I thought, well, come on, that's 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 what you got to do. And then and then she'll be then she go in the same direction as me, and then she didn't at all. She ended up going to clothes. But can she still write a uni- ride a unicycle? I don't know if it's something that goes away. I haven't tried riding one for. Dec, yeah decades it must be so right, i don't right. know but i think it's like any of those kind of balance things like swimming or um spinning a basketball on your finger i think it's almost like once you've got it mm. it can i mean i'm sure it would take a bit of practice or juggling you know so that like you can't unlearn you how to juggle that. yeah you never um, forget
1: as as the famous phrase goes you never forget how to ride a unicycle that's, yeah, that's a well known it's,
0: it's a classic <laughs> I've got it on uh, in cross stitch somewhere. No, no. no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but also, I imagine are you in uh, where are you in this, at this point? Are you in Brighton at this point? Uh, what year is this again? 2003 or 4, yes.
0: 2004. Uh, yes, yeah, so my daughter would have been 7. Yeah, yeah, I moved to Brighton when I was 19. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, to go to so I was brought up in South London in Forest Hill right. and uh, right. and I moved to Brighton for university. Which is, where I, which is where I met uh, Mrs. Egg, doing the same yes. degree as me. And then we um, we settled here.
1: Oh. And when did you, um, the, the sort of the street entertainer thing, did that start in Brighton? Because it strikes me that Brighton's quite fertile ground for that kind of business. No,
0: that started in London. So oh, I, when I was um, at school doing my A-levels, I had a Saturday job uh, mm. in Covent Garden working at the uh, YHA Adventure Centre. and uh (laughs) selling rucksacks and you know walking boots and that kind of thing and um and uh I went to see a circus called Archaos who were this amazing French circus that um uh toured in the the late uh 80s early 90s and um uh, and they were just a really a absurd show, really anarchic. They didn't have any animals. They had all, all like cars that fell apart and and uh, fire and chainsaws and like heavy metal music playing, while they, or rock music playing while they were doing that. It was great. It's just amazing experience. Like yeah. really, just crazy attitude towards health and safety and everything. Um, yeah. And me and my friend Leo went to see them and just were totally blown away uh and so that's when we we got into juggling and then and then we started trying to we were inspired we, we watched the street entertainers at lunchtime um mm. and um and thought well let's do something like this so we mm. we put together a, a show and went down to Greenwich because it was a bit less intimidating than Covent Garden because there were fewer performers there and it wasn't such a sort of established uh thing Covent Garden is the
1: Albert Hall of of street yeah. entertainers isn't yeah. it surely
0: so uh so yes, they thought like we don't want to go there straight away. If we want to go, who are you? You know, yeah, it's quite sort of mm-hmm. territorial. Um, so um, so we went down to Greenwich and we'd we'd practice this show in Leo's garden and went down there. It wasn't very successful uh, and uh, we made a little bit money, but it wasn't it wasn't like a proper show. And then the next week, I said to Leo like we we need to go down. Uh, next week and do it again um and he said i think we should rehearse more and i said i think the the best way to rehearse is is just going and doing it and he said well i'm I'm not really up for it so i threw together a show you know blatantly uh you know nicking bits from other people's shows just to try and do something Mm -hmm. and went down the following weekend by myself did two shows either side of um rain showers made about 40 quid uh, which nicely. Yeah. Which, which was more than I would be earning, you know, doing a whole day's work at my Saturday job. Um, so gave up the job and, uh, and then never looked back. So, so did Greenwich for a while then, then started working at Covent Garden as well. Yeah. Then through that got, uh, sort of, you know, contracted gigs in shopping centers and started getting festivals and things like Glastonbury and stuff. Right. Um, and, um, Yeah. And then moved to Brighton and so, when I was doing my degree in Brighton, I, I didn't have any, I didn't have a Saturday. Well, I had a Saturday job in that what I'd do is I'd, I'd get the train up to London at the weekend and, and work at Covent Garden. Mm. And that, that, you know, financed my, my sort of, you know, extra money through university.
1: You make it sound very easy like i just went down there and did some street, street. So, so did you have to learn how to juggle did you have to learn how to do all the stuff Yeah. how, how much training did you have to do you can't just rock up and start blowing sm- uh, uh fire at your face yeah or maybe you can. no
0: well well i mean you can in the sense that um that it uh i mean i just just learning from books just got you know i, I got this absurd book i can't remember where i bought it from some magic company um it's like a little pamphlet, right. and it's obviously reprinted from the the early twentieth century, uh, and it and it's got all mm. all the tricks in there. Like I, mean, I don't know if you ever worked with me when I when I used to bang a nail in my head. Did I, Did I ever do that?
1: Oh, George, I did. I'd forgotten. Yeah, that. yeah. So Take that was like right that, at the please? start.
0: So I mean, it's just the a kind of you know sideshow trick where you can the the cavity that you breathe in goes. You know, directly, mm-hmm. sort of back towards the back of your yeah. your skull. Can you I know.
1: can I say t- to be fair, every time I do a lateral flow, I think of you. Oh,
0: really? Because yeah, if lateral yeah. flows have been easy for me. <laughs> right <there>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I bet mean, there's
1: nothing up there because
0: uh, because you d- it doesn't. You don't go up, you go back. And I remember you saying to me, "Yeah, you just sort of go." Yeah, back. it's just parallel with the roof of your mouth, the the the, the cavity, you know, just where you breathe. But um, so yes, yeah, so so you can bang a. You know, where you can slide a nail in, and if you if you if you grip it with your fingers and use a hammer, it looks like you're banging it in, but actually, it's just sliding in. Like mm. if you were sort of bang my microphone there. Uh, mm. If you were uh, uh, in the hospital and having a tube put down your throat, you know, it's where it would slide in. Uh, mm. So um, yeah, so 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 I learned how to do that, and I learned how to do fire eating and and juggling. I, I, I just got I got a video from some some other sort of you know circus company. Place mm, and uh, yeah. yeah, just just me and Leo taught ourselves how to how to juggle and then yeah, yeah, and then then inspired by this circus, through this this show together and and then my my show when I started doing it myself, it was much more like a street entertainer's show with all you know having one trick near the end and building up to it and you know and then doing the bottling yes. speech and
1: yes, they love a pad, don't they? They love a bit of padding. Oh, the all
0: street padding. entertainers. Well, it's, that was re- that was what was really interesting is actually was going from doing uh street entertaining to doing stand-up right because it's the complete opposite so so the whole point of doing a street entertaining show is not really doing anything because you don't want to lose you don't want people to walk away yes you know building up to doing something without do without you know letting people know you're going to do this big thing at the end mm-hmm. but not doing it until right at the end and just before you do it then doing the kind of slight guilt trip speech going, this is what i do for a living then doing the big trick and then when you've all got them then they come forward and they put the money in your hat but yeah. but then doing so while I was doing street entertaining then, then I, I started doing Up the Creek um, because Malcolm Hardy was really uh, uh, you know into more off the wall stuff yeah he was and, out there man. Um, he was brilliant yeah and he really took me under his wing. And so I went and did an open spot there because there was another street entertainer called Brian who used to do Up the Creek. And he said, oh, you should go and do it. And it was quite local to me. So I went down and did an open spot there. And um, yeah, Malcolm gave me a gig. And then and then it was, so I, so I did Up the Creek when I was 19, which is... Wow. So that was your first stand-up gig then when you were 19? Yeah, 30 years ago, right. later this year. Oh. I'll, be, I'll be 49 this year. I know.
1: So 30 years,
0: that's, that's not a bad, uh, is
1: it? Yeah, that's good, man. 30 years not out as well, still going strong. Stronger and yeah. stronger every day, George Egg. Um, all right, good. Uh, look who we've got on, Ah, oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. Uh, 5th of May 2006, Um, some interesting kind of tech stuff. Macromedia Flash MX 2004 for dummies, Dreamweaver MX 2004 for dummies. Is that for building websites? Is that what you're buying there?
0: Yeah, yeah, I tried tried to, I I did an evening class, uh, evening, like a course of evening classes in, in Dreamweaver, in building websites, because I just, I thought, when was that? 2007, did you say?
1: No, earlier than that, 2006. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. God, didn't know it was that long ago. Uh, this yes, is that's terrifying, isn't actually, it? isn't yeah, it? Because yeah, yeah, suddenly go. Oh, yeah, I think I did that course about four years ago.
1: Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I do that with my clothes. I do that with my clothes all the time. I've had these jeans for like two years. Oh no, the pandemic has been two and a half years, and they were old yeah. at the beginning of the pandemic. Therefore, Tom, do some very quick maths. Yeah. It's
0: terrifying. No, it's, it's, terrifying. it's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I, I just thought, I just thought it would be useful to have another string to my bow. I think at that time, and yeah. um, and I didn't have a website. And being the control freak that I am, I thought. Well, I'm not going to let someone else do it. I'll do it myself.
1: It's interesting that uh, people who do what... You you might look at your... Uh, your career George what you do you look and think anarchic crazy out there creative all these kind of words were coming to mind but actually massive control freak uh, basically running a tight corporation that happens to be called George Egg I'm training George Egg Towers yeah but that's what we do that's what all these people do whenever you see whether it's a street entertainer a podcaster an artist whatever it is we treat our businesses like they are a one man Starbucks maybe not as aggressive as Starbucks but you know what I mean it's that kind of thing and when when you look at Amazon history you see someone you know, taking time out to improve the business and, and thinking about these things—you have to do it. It's not just chaos. You don't just sit around going, "Yeah, you know, just scratch my ass and wait for jokes to come."
0: Yeah, no, I think I think people outside of the industry do, yeah, just sort of like, of well, what, well, what do you do when you're not on stage? It's like, well, all the other stuff, <laughs> you know. Oh my god, it drives me <laughs> mad. It drives. The, the, the two questions you
1: should never ask a stand-up comedian: uh, tell us a joke, and what do you do in the daytime? <sighs> yeah,
0: yeah. In fact, the other two that I think you should never ask them is have you got an agent? So uh, this is, this is a thing when I, when, a, when we used to like, you know, we'd go to like a, a, a sort of social gathering of, of people who, who vaguely know what I do. And then two of the yeah. questions that always, always ask would be, have you got an agent? And for, and you know, I have had agents on and off, but like I say, I kind of, mm. you know, killed them, you murdered looking them. Looking yeah. after yeah. myself. Yeah. i murdered their Yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so they say, have you got an agent? You go, no, no, I self-represent. And you can just see them kind of going, oh, you're not really. And then they go, do you do the comedy store? Because it's the only one they've heard of. And, and oh. you go, no, not really, because it's not, you know, he, he's not, the guy books, it, not, he's not really into stuff that's a bit more off the wall. And they're like, oh, right, okay. And then you then they wander off and, you know, they're going, oh, oh, oh she's unlucky, you know, being married to him is some loser.
1: That's it. And if you said to them, you know, what do you do? They say, I'm a consultant. And you're like, well, do you ever, uh, do you ever work with Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you consult the uh, government of, of Great Britain? No, I don't. Ah, well, probably not the real deal, <laughs> just my Lord, thank God, just upon... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right.
1: Look at this 2008 uh, the Opinel Slimline knife. You've bought a knife here, George.
0: I think there's quite a few of those knives. Do, okay. do you know what, it's just a really that Opinel knife is uh I think I tell you why I bought that. I did a um and this is this is I mean I was I've been into cooking for as long as I've done stand up and only started doing the 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 cooking on stage shows mm. sort of 6 7 years ago. But um I did a uh, a few courses uh like birthday presents you know um at uh, cooking schools and right. i did one uh, all about fish and fish filleting okay. and um and so i bought that really thin knife cuz it's quite flexible and that's great for filleting fish and the all of the shows or well, most of the shows have have used bits that i've learned at these these cookery classes so so the first show i filleted the the hotel cooking show i filleted a fish live on stage because i just thought that would you know i thought that's a cool thing to be able to do stand up while you're filleting a fish really neatly and that's yeah. where I learned how to fillet the fish. And I bought, and, I, and that was, and it's just a great knife for filleting fish, that Opinal, that really thin one. So I've, but there's there's two more there that I think I bought one for my dad and one for my brother. Or, oh, I here we remember. go. Look. Yeah. yeah May, yeah. Uh, May 29,
1: <laughs> to, uh, 2009, we go again with the Opinal. £18.86. It's the 12 centimeter slimline knife, guys. I'll put a link out on the uh, toaster pod.
0: It Twitter looks like account. a really sort of nasty kind of teddy boy. Kind of, you know, like like you could really just yeah. twop, twop, in and out, just right under the, <laughs> the rib person,
1: cage. The person owning that, it's, it's got a kind of uh, Peaky Blinders, I'll cut you sort of vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It has, isn't it? And but, you're doing but the but most, most
1: bourgeois thing. I'm just filleting a fish,
0: a poisson. <laughs> what is the, uh,
1: what's the, what's the trickiest fish to fillet? Because it's quite a tricky thing to do, isn't it, filleting a fish?
0: Do you know what? It's not as tricky as people... It's, it's actually it's actually quite easy. Um, I mean, it depends on the fish. So, like a mackerel's got really big bones, so that's really easy. Um, mm. Something like a a trout's a bit. Or herring, because they've got really, really fine bones, yeah. And then yeah. you've got to get in with the tweezers and just, twop, 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 you know, pin bone yeah. all the little ones out. But.
1: I was always terrified, because we were lucky enough to live near a river when I grew up. My brothers used to fish, and they used to get trout, and we used to eat their trout. trout very idyllic, sounds like something Arthur Ransom has come up with. Um, and But the problem was, I was terrified of eating trout, because my parents were so, like, would tell stories about people choking on
0: trout bones. To this day, yeah. I can't really, I don't enjoy fish, because I'm
1: scared.
0: Yeah, no, I, and do you know what, and I, I, I love fish, but I, when I was a child, I was so anxious about it, and my parents would, would get whole fish and cook them, you know, and yeah. and I'd just be so, and if I got yeah. the slightest tickle, I'd just be like, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, 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 real panicky little boy, you know, yeah. I was so fussy when I was small, I was really, because I'm really into food and cooking now, but... You know, if my parents had spaghetti bolognese, I'd I'd just want spaghetti with grated cheese on it. It was really, really? difficult eater when I was little. Yeah,
1: how interesting! How funny to mm. think you've gone full circle. And were your kids good eaters?
0: Yeah, they really were. Actually, mm. um, we were just very conscious of uh, because when I was small, I I. You know, like I say, I go, oh, I don't want to have that. And so they give me an alternative. And we, yeah. right from the start, just thought, we'll, we won't be tough, but we'll just, we'll just make sure they eat what we eat. And so as soon oh, as they yeah. started eating, eating food as opposed to drinking breast milk, we, mm-hmm. we got this really cool little, um, it's from Mothercare or somewhere. It's like a little, a little sort of uh, plastic pot with a, 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 a manual grinding device at the top. Oh, yeah. And whatever we were having for dinner, Oh we'd would put spoonfuls of that and grind it up, and then say so that they had the same thing, like Severan a sort curry of curry or
1: like a sort of mother care Nutribullet. Yeah, just whiz yeah. it up for them. That's a that's Well, it
0: was great. just it was a manual, so it was just so you just yeah. ground it by hand. So yeah. it was sort of r- roughly chopped. So you know, so it, mm. it basically, it, it was a sort of a plastic masticator.
1: Mm. So
0: it would it was like like you know, sort of animals in the wild will chew up their food in their mouth and then oh my god you know.
1: yes you were like yeah. the
0: black the blackbird in the nest and
1: you were right to spit yeah. it out
0: into your child's mouth let's not dwell too much on that I but mean. using a Mas- device yeah. from mother care to yeah. do yeah. it thanks mother but yeah so 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 we gave them yeah yeah so they curry and everything and so they've never been um they've, they've never really been fussy at all mm. but mm. the only problem with that is then they would have friends come come round. And and then they'd right. be fast, and that that's something I can't abide to get really, you know,
1: the chips and nuggets and ketchup brigade.
0: Yes, and just just like, and what's this? You know, it's a little bit of black pepper on there. Oh, Can't eat it, and just you know, mm, you'd have I a nightmare with my that.
1: children, mate. Can I send? Maybe you should do that. You should start up uh, some sort of camp for kids who are crap at eating, and I'll send both
0: my boys to <laughs> you. you know what, That'd I, be great. That was that was a a, a thought I have. when because I think when um before I started doing the the cooking shows, I had a real the the only time I've I've ever done a, a job um you know because because of going straight you know, apart from saturday jobs and then going to street entertaining from there to stand up and so on um about I don't know 10 years ago now maybe nine or ten years you'll you'll see there's loads of um books on lecturing and i i did a, ah. i started doing a pgce um to become a design technology teacher uh and i went into a school and uh hated it and just, just thought i can't i can't do-. well i did i had two two weeks at university uh doing yeah. all the lectures on being a teacher and i thought this is fascinating i'm gonna i'm gonna be a great oh, i'm gonna be such a good teacher oh i'm gonna be like dead poet society just yes like, oh, I'm yes, gonna be, yes i'm gonna be amazing uh, and then went into a, a school in worthing worthing high right and um and the the first that had one day there, and then that evening when i when I got home my my mentor rang me he's a really nice guy, and he said look i'm I feel really awkward saying this, but um the deputy head's been in touch, and she said uh when you come in tomorrow, can you not wear your because i've i just have an earring in one ear can you not wear your earring oh, no. and can you, and can oh, you not wear no. I, have a, I have a a skull ring that I'd like to wear yeah. um and said can you not wear those?" and I said okay and then the next day I went in without them and then and I'd lasted a couple of days and just thought I can't I I mean from you know from the age of 16 being my own boss do you think that's still the case now for teachers teachers
1: allowed to wear that sort of stuff
0: I think it depends on the school so I went so so the 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 um lady at the university who was who was you know my main sort of tutor um Mm. when I you know so I went after a few days I went to see her and I said look I I don't think I can do this. And she said, oh, "I sent you to the wrong school. I should have sent you here." And but she was really understanding. I said, "Look, you know, I've kind of made my decision." Now. Yeah. But yeah, how do we start talking about that? How I don't do know. I don't know. But I, I, I'm just, yeah. I, I'm, just <laughs> I, I'm just sort of,
1: uh, I'm fast. I think I uh, fish, fish bones. I think that's how we got onto teaching through fish bones. Right? How do we get from the fish I don't know. bones to that? No, no, no. Anyway, the listeners will know. It's fine. Uh, we got yeah. there. I just, I'm interested in this idea of you sort of, you know, exploring. Um, other avenues you were obviously fidgety about stand-up and you were looking elsewhere and stand-up wasn't floating your boat because by this point we're nearly at the time where you start doing the cooking thing what year did you start the cooking thing
0: um so i did edinburgh the first time in 2015 right i did i did uh brighton fringe the year before so so yeah 2013 2014 is when when it, it it started
1: I have such a clear memory of seeing that poster. I think it was Brighton. I think I was at that Brighton Fringe that year because I was doing uh, Edinburgh 2014 and I saw George Egg doing cooking. What, the guy who does the the bowling ball in the suit? What's going on there? I mean, it's like a complete reinvention. It must have been terrible. What, that moment when you walked out on stage to do not your absolutely rigid, tight, locked down, bulletproof 20 minutes? That must have been
0: terrifying. Yeah, it really was. I was so... So nervous about it. And I did um so what had happened is I did the uh for, for a number of years I'd done Robin Ince's Christmas shows at the, the you uh-huh. know the Bloomsbury Theatre. I'd made some little films of me cooking in hotel rooms um just for fun, just as a something to do while I've been, you know, spending a weekend at the Glee yeah. stuck in a holiday inn and yeah. um and I thought well I'll do a I'll do a live thing of that. And so I wrote a ten minute Uh, routine of me cooking on irons on an ironing board and um, I remember that
1: yes yes yes
0: and someone from Brighton Fringe came up to me at one of those and said um are you doing Edinburgh and I said oh god no you know I've never done nothing like that and she said well why don't you do Brighton Fringe and she was the lady who ran the um the other place venues upstairs at the three and ten and uh and so so I armed and hard about it and then in it was quite quite late, I think in February or March, I, I said, look, can I do it? And she said, well, look, we'll try and find you a gap, but it's, you know, May is when the, when the fringe is. Um, mm. And she found me a gap. And it was, the, it was that thing that, that I'd heard uh, other comedians talk about of, of, you know, you book in and you, and you, you self uh, enforce a deadline. Yeah. And then yeah. you have to come up with the goods. And so I suddenly went, right, I've got sort of, you know, nine weeks to, yes. to turn this into a, a one hour show. And so then just, you know, and they that's hats. Um, it's wonderful it because together.
1: you know you say you've got nine weeks. What I'm seeing here, as I as I trawl through your Amazon purchase history, uh, the book of tapas uh preserves the River Cottage Handbook number two. um, More and more food stuff that mm. you're you're buying along the way. So it's coming out, and you can see and this is 2011 now. So you're saying you had a nine week deadline. What you didn't realise was that this had been fermenting away inside you. Yeah. You were oh no, it really had. Circular.
0: Mm. No, and it was, and once I started, well, like once I, so, so, because it was the, the first show was the hotel cooking show. So I had the, I had the irons and I had the pancakes and the irons because that was the routine that I'd written for, for the Robin Ince thing. Um, yeah. So I went, right, okay, I've got, and that was, that was about 15 minutes by to, pull it down to 10 minutes for their show. So I thought, okay, well that's, that's 15, probably with a bit of, you know, that's 20 minutes. So that's, that's a third of the show. So then I thought, okay, so I'll do three dishes. So I've got to come up with two others. Um, and uh, yeah, and things like going. All right, I'll do something with fish. Oh well, I did that course at the Jamie Oliver Cookery School mm, thing. Mm. Hence the the knives.
1: Um, look again, we're seeing the seeds of stuff here. The Triangia, Triangia, twenty five,
0: Triangia. Tri- tri- that's a- twenty five non stick cook set. Tell us about this. It's just it's 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 just the best camping cooker. It's really lightweight um, and. Uh, yeah, and you 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 cook with meths on it, but you can you can cook with all sorts of different stuff. A friend of mine went travelling in; uh, he was in the Himalayas, mm. and he bought some local sort of spirit mm. and used that as the fuel because it was it was cheap, so strong enough. Yeah, so sort of so, so, so literally using yeah yeah some <laughs> sort of vodka and setting fire to that and and cooking with that as the.
1: <laughs> I love that. Um, well, also, there's a thing. There's a definite trope here, which is the dad brands. Uh, when you, My dad was like this. I'm like this. There are certain brands I'm like, they're the best ones. The best. Like Sony. Yeah. For no apparent reason, I'm like, you got to get Sony TV. Yeah,
0: it's the thing. Yes, my yes, dad used to have funny. Sony TVs. Well, well, my dad, he, he had NAD, NAD Hi Fi. And it was always like, yes. oh, yeah, NAD's the one. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best one.
1: It's, complete, it's completely <laughs> arbitrary. It's complete bollocks, probably. But, but we yeah. stick oh, with no, it. My dad, sure my, uh, my dad was Volvos. Always. Everything had to be a fucking Volvo every year. Oh, my, mine, was Volvo. mine was Renaults. Mine was Renaults
0: and then and then became Citroën's. And then Saab's near the end. I love that. I love. I love the sort of mundanity of hearing a
1: brand loyalty come out in you, George. That was great. <laughs> you know, you can take. You can take the eccentric artist, and actually, he's like, no, they're, they're the best camping stoves, mate. You gotta get those, or you're dead in the water. But they really are. <laughs> <laughs> Stab can opener, twenty fifth of January, twenty thirteen. There you are, you stabbing
0: cans. That's um. Yeah, I heard a great. Uh, that's a real nostalgia thing. So I used to love evaporated milk when I was a little boy, and I still like it. I love it in coffee. Evaporated, ah. kind of, They have in Switzerland. It's very but, sugary. Um, it's just very sugary milk. Basically. Um, it's not. I don't think it's got any added sugar. I think the sugar is concentrated because it's been. Because it's kind of reduced. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how evaporated milk is made. I guess they evaporate some of the water and mm-hmm. it's just concentrated and then preserved. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yes, and so the, one of those little stab. You you know you make a you, you pierce a hole in opposite sides of the top of the can and then you can pour it so the air can get in the other side. But they used to be used for for beer, I think. And there's a great uh, uh, euphemism uh, for those those little. Uh, can stabbers uh, they, they're often called the church key which is lovely isn't it that
1: is well, because they're so they're, they're the so sort of size and dimensions and what are they yeah are they- I
0: think and I think because I, I don't know why it's euphemistic for opening a can of beer but yeah but yeah
1: I guess because you're you're opening the doors to paradise I imagine
0: yeah something like that it's great, oh, that's isn't great, isn't it? Church the church thing. key. So I still call it the church. I say pass me the church key.
1: Oh, that's good. Eh? That's good <laughs> knowledge. Someone somewhere this summer is going to be at a festival and they're going to say, pass us the church key, and they're going to feel fucking cool. You are welcome, guys. Thank you, George. That's brilliant. Um, look at this. 10th of July 2015, the galvanised dustbin. You've bought a bin there, George. Always love a nice good that's a really good old fashioned. Love a dustbin. Bin. it's a good old fashioned. That's proper mild old man's a dustbin. We're a top
0: cap bin, isn't it? It's a
1: top cap bin.
0: Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I was scrabbling around there. It is a top cap bin. Yes. Fantastic. That's funny talking about. To um my uh I guess cuz I I snore and I will uh, uh like to sort of read sort of late into the night and have a light on so Mrs Egg uh, has taken to wearing an eye mask and earplugs in oh. bed. And I remember telling Dan Evans about that and he just said like topcat. I thought it was really
1: funny. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Uh just and also with a beauty, beautifully filleted fish as well,
0: like topcat. Exactly. There you go. In fact, one of the lines in the first show, when I fillet when I fillet the the uh, sea bass, I hold up the the skeleton and I go it's not bad. It's not quite Top Cat, yes. but it's pretty good. Yes. That's that's a line from the show. Fantastic. <laughs> um, look 20, 2017,
1: uh, George. Uh, we're really you can see what's going on. Your whole life has become about this show now. Um, uh, Pit Cuco, the the cookbook, hog proper pork recipes from the snout to the squeak. Oh yeah. Um, You've also bought um Soft Grip Junior hacksaw. Is that to attack the pig with? Is that what's going on here? Uh
0: I think that was for tomatoes. It's a nice little one for doing that was for doing tomatoes, okay. slicing tomatoes in the show. So that was the for the DIY chef show. Yeah. So it was all all cooking with with power tools and hand tools yeah. and that sort of thing. So yes, yeah, so I think there'll be various Various things in there yeah. that would be bought for the show. There's a kind Chisels of
1: steampunk and- slash hipster approach to this stuff. You can imagine your things that you do on stage yeah. a week later appearing in restaurants in Hackney. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. We've got the coal, the coal shovel, a six-inch coal shovel. You're going to be serving up food on a coal shovel, aren't you? Uh,
0: I think I was using it as a, as a, as a cooking device so I was putting in fact I know for a fact because I do it in the shows still when I do that show uh, I, I put croutons in there or little cubes of bread and then use a hot air gun to, to toast them to make croutons oh lovely oh lovely mm. um,
1: alright George we're running out of time so what I'm going to do I'm going to come charging into the present and see what's going on in your life right now okay that is the plan uh, we have just had arrived some uh, solid rectangle rubber seal strip Oh, I love a rubber seal strip yes please
0: that is for so i'm i'm building a roof garden on uh we have a garage next to the house and i'm building a roof garden out there um and i built some window boxes and the the roof is slightly uneven so to make them sit perfectly parallel i bought some rubber strip to fix to the underside uh, of the window boxes to make them so that they sit perfectly level but rubber will be nice and uh a lot of friction, so they're not going to blow off in the wind. Oh, very that's that's nice. For. Very
1: good. Tremendous yeah. detail. Uh, 16 professional nail files. Is this for you, George?
0: No. Okay. I bite my nails terribly. This is a habit that I've got. Oh, it's yes. a terrible habit. And also, I'm really conscious of it now because I'm making these Snack Hacker videos, which I must tell everyone about yes. the Snack Hacker videos, uh, um, which has been my basically my latest creative thing during lockdown that's that's taken over everything else really but yeah. yes in those there's close-ups of me doing things with my fingers and sometimes i look at the rushes and go uh, sort it out george stop you biting, need to you get know? a
1: hand model or you i think it is it bitumen the stuff they use in uh, that's mouse poison you paint it on your fingernails and it's so disgusting it
0: doesn't actually kill you um it's so disgusting you don't bite them. well the thing i've tried i've tried the well stop and grow you know the the, the stuff that tastes really revolting. Mm. but i just I just managed to sort of acquire a taste for it. Really, it's mm. so kind of go. Oh, it's a bit like camp. It's a bit like Campari. You know? <laughs> it's nice. If anything, it's making making me chew my nails even
1: more. Oh god! Yeah, it's, that's the problem, isn't it? I'm a terrible nail nail chewer. They don't get very short, but I'm always hacking away at them, It drives my wife absolutely mad.
0: And I do like. the bits down the, so stupidly, like nibble the the. the- you know, is the it, skin down the sides and then oh, it's terrible. Habit.
1: Is it a nervous thing? Are you a nervous? You're a highly strong man. You're not particularly,
0: you? No, I'm not. I'm really quite relaxed. I've no mm. idea. I don't know. don't know why. And I've, and I've really thought, you know, I've got to stop and, mm. but, mm. and then suddenly it's, it's when I'm driving, actually, it's the worst. Right. So, you know, I'll do a, I'll do a, yeah, I'll drive to a gig and, and suddenly, you know, be, be pulling into the, the car park and yeah. go i put down and I've just torn oh, them apart.
1: Oh, you know what you should do? You know what you should do? It'll sort it out. Take up smoking.
0: Yeah, maybe. It'll
1: really occupy your fingers then. It'd be great. It's very good for you as well. So <laughs> Something to think about. Um, so the Snack Hacker vids, George, that leads us nicely onto a healthy plug at the end of this. Tell us about Snack Hacker. It's a fantastic idea. And A simple one. Why hasn't someone done this
0: before? I don't know. So um, in lockdown, I was obviously unable to uh, perform on stage mm. and um, and just needed some sort of creative outlet, I suppose. So I started yeah. making little videos um, to put on my Instagram uh, of me interfering with existing snacks. So like I'd buy a Greg's pasty, I'd nibble the edge off, I'd put other ingredients inside um, and uh eat it and talk about it and they're really short they're like two minutes long each Uh, I have guests so I've had sort of you know used my connections to the comedy industry and had people like Matt Lucas come up with their ideas and uh, Tim Key did Tim Key did a brilliant one he um, uh, so he he said that he made a kebab risotto once and he sent me a video of him describing how he made this kebab risotto like waking up the next morning after having finding half a kebab from a sort of drunken night uh, yeah. the day before uh, and using the kebab meat to make a risotto and so i recreated his kebab risotto and uh, and put my own twist on it put some tahini in it and and uh, yeah and anyway it ended up being a, a really delicious dish and um So yes, they started making these, these little videos, putting them on Instagram Mm. in November, 2020. Right. Uh, and they just, they just captured people's interest. The lad Bible did some edits of them and I went from 4,000 followers to I've got over 55,000 now. And, uh, with the lad Bible edits, they've had over 7 million views and, um, Yeah,
1: The Snack Hacker thing's amazing, and also it points to what you've always done in your career. So you were a kind of circus guy, and you brought that to stand-up, and then you did circus on stand-up for years, and then you basically... Uh, took being a stand-up and injected that into the world of food, and sort of you take things with you, and now you've got the the sort of foodiness. and Now you're taking that into social media, so it's the next step for you, isn't it? It's an exciting progression, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's a bit of everything. So it's yeah. a bit of the the sort of uh, innovation of the uh, of the live show, you know, the live cooking shows, and and there's there's stand-up in the videos as well, mm. and then but there's also just real straight recipes yes. too. And Helpful. a lot of nostalgic stuff. Yes. Um, you know. Uh so it's yeah, it just feels like and 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 going back to what we we're talking about being control freak, mm. it's it's my thing totally. So I can I can make each episode however I want. There's no one there saying Brilliant. no, no, they've all got to be about pasties or burgers or whatever. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can yeah. just do one that's that's just a, a, a snack that my dad made me when I was a little boy and get quite, you know, about that
1: yeah it's lovely it's a lovely thing you're mm. a lovely man George Egg uh, as a control freak I find this a bit difficult I'm going to hand uh, Amazon I'm going to hand control of your Amazon account back to you this is always a sad moment for me
0: I'm, log- okay. I'm logging out and I'm leaving now, but I've enjoyed walking oh, around it's been it's wonderful in there. I've really enjoyed this oh, thanks, mate. I know it's everyone says babe. it but it's, it's such a good idea ah. <laughs> it really is though just, a, oh, oh,
1: just a, oh. there you go that was today's episode of my Bought toaster as ever thank you so much for listening hope you enjoyed it uh feel free to contact the show at toasterpot on twitter or instagram or just give us a follow that would be nice i enjoy being followed like jesus Right, it's quite enough of that. I'll see you next week. Bye now. Patreon,
0: Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Toastapod. Patreon, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Toastapod.